God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. This is Pastor Larry from Southwest Radio Church. I believe we are very, very close to the end. Life as we know it may suddenly and irreversibly change. The real question, how then shall we live? Vice Admiral James Stockdale was a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy. He was an accomplished fighter pilot. In 1965, the 41-year-old father of four was shot down over Vietnam. As he ejected from his A-4 Skyhawk and floated to the ground, he said to himself, five years. That's how long he thought he would be in captivity. As it turned out, he spent almost eight years in the infamous Hanoi Hilton. Four of those years, he was in solitary confinement. For two years, he was forced to wear heavy leg iron. He was tortured at least 15 times. The bad food, the heat and humidity, the beatings, the uncertainty was maddening, almost. Stockdale was the highest-ranking officer among the hundreds of U.S. prisoners of war in the prison camp. Despite his solitary confinement, Stockdale organized a system of wall taps, hand signals, and hidden notes for the prisoners to communicate with each other. He also developed a set of rules governing prisoner behavior. These rules gave his fellow American prisoners a sense of purpose and of hope. When a person is alone in a cell and sees the door open only once or twice a day for a bowl of soup, Stockdale recalled years later, he has to build some sort of ritual into his life if he wants to avoid becoming an animal. Stockdale led the prisoners' resistance against the Vietnamese attempts to use them as propaganda or as informants on fellow Americans. To Stockdale, integrity was the most important thing to maintain for a prisoner of war. More important than food, avoiding torture or life itself. He writes, I came to realize that if you don't lose integrity, you can't be had and you can't be hurt. As we live in these convulsive and apocalyptic times, we need to remember Stockdale's message. He was right, and we have to be right in these last days. to pick up where we left off with our guests in our previous program. We were visiting with Nathan Jones, author of the new book, The Mighty Angels of Revelation. And it's a tremendous book. And we want to remember that we should not worship angels. Jesus Christ, the Blessed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God is triune. Our worship, our devotion goes to Almighty God. However, Angelic forces, demons, as we uh, discussed on our previous program, are very, very real. Nathan, thank you so much for being uh, with us once again. Thank you for having me on, Pastor Larry. It was a good time talking with you about angels. Well, it's a wonderfully important topic, and I think there uh, is a lot of ignorance and a lot of misconception. So maybe uh, you could tell us what are some of the most common or surprising misconceptions about angels? Absolutely. As I studied more and more about the 72 angels or groups of angels found in the book of Revelation, 108 references in the Old Testament, 176 in the New, uh, I realized that our modern-day understanding of angels is really, really, really misguided. Uh, A lot of us were raised on uh, the classically illustrated children's books uh, from my parents' generation, you know, 1950s type uh, angels, uh, Americana-looking angels, they, they wear white robes, they have blonde curly hair, they're white guys, they have this metal band glowing over their head, they have these big, beautiful, feathery wings. 
sometimes they're carrying a sword and and that's the imagery we get from modern day pop culture but when you go into the bible and read about the bible you realize that angels aren't all uniform you know they're not all clones of each other they all are as different as humans are different from each other and even more so matter of fact what surprised me is as i studied the 72 angels found in, in the book of revelation is that they're far from stereotypical neither are they uniform in appearance they they appear as humans sometimes uh, others exist as forces of nature like the sun angel or the wind angels they also have some of them are animalistic in appearance for instance the seraphim that stand before the throne of god and sing holy 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 day and night they they have different faces like an eagle and a man and a a lion and an ox uh, you have the vulture angel that looks bird-like and has wings some have wings and some don't the seraphim have six wings and uh, you read about the cherubim have four wings so there there's quite a variety size-wise too some are as, as big as mountains and and others are our size so uh, i think our minds are going to be blown one day when we get to heaven and see the vast variety of angels that god has created well, we've all seen pictures of angels with halos. What about halos? <laughs> that, that's purely artistic. It's the idea that God's radiance flows out of them. Or it, it was a symbol back in medieval times of holiness, and so if you had a halo around, you were holy. But there's no metal you know, ring floating around your head when you get up to heaven. That's purely artistic. I think, you know, when you look at the Christmas story, we hear about the three magi. They certainly were not three magi. We hear a lot of different things. We see them coming to um, uh, bringing their gifts to uh, Jesus in the manger. But actually, I, I believe it's Matthew 2, verse 11. He was in a house at that time, probably a year and a half or two years later. We get all kinds of stuff that starts creeping in. And, and before you know it, if you tell somebody, well, that's not true according to the Bible, and they'll say, well, I saw it on television. Well, that, of course, is not the test. Well, we, we must never underestimate the power of angels, too. You know, twice in the book of Revelation, uh, the revealing angel, which is what I titled him because he doesn't have a name, is guiding John through the story, and uh, he twice loses his head and falls down to start worshiping the angel, and, and the angel was just that powerful. And, of course, the angel says, no, 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 you're, you're to worship God alone. But you read about the, the three sets of judgments that will happen during the tribulation, the seven seal judgments, the seven trumpet judgments, and the seven bowl judgments. And God bestows power on these angels to pretty much devastate the earth. I mean, we're talking about super-powered angels. Uh, Satan himself being the most powerful all created, even Michael thinks twice before going into combat with them. So we as Christians... Uh, clearly must be put on the full armor of God. We must protect ourselves by the Holy Spirit. We as limited human beings cannot take on angels directly. But wow, when you get to the end of the book of Revelation, when Jesus returns to this earth, and to show the power difference, all Jesus has to speak and his enemies just collapse. That's how much more powerful God is compared to even the angels. So praise the Lord, we're on the winning side there. We did speak about the activity of demons and the forces of darkness at the present time, but how about angels today? Do they uh, have an active ministry in the world, in our country, and in our churches? Well, we get the term angelos, or angelos is the Greek for, for messenger. The angels primarily continue to serve as messengers of God. Now, obviously, the, the revelation of all that the Lord wants us to know has been recorded in the Bible. But there have been people, especially in Muslim-controlled countries and all, who 
who have been having visions of the Lord come to them, and uh, they're receiving messages through that iron curtain, so to speak, that the Lord's bringing them. So angels continue to still at work giving messages. Now there's no new revelation, but there's there are gospel angels that you read about in the Bible when you get to the tribulation, and every person on the planet will be evangelized during the tribulation. And one of the ways that the Lord does that is through the gospel angel who will proclaim the eternal message to all the people. So angels also serve as evangelists. Uh, they're clearly working behind the scenes. There's all this concern about global warming and climate change and all that, and yet we read about the wind angels and how the wind angels control the winds that go around the earth. So the Lord's got the weather all in control. We don't have to worry about it. He controls the waters, too. There's angels that control the waters and, and angels that control nature. So they're like God's uh, construction workers, you could say, foremen working in the background, controlling all of nature and things. We have, of course, guardian angels that we read about in the Bible, where as the spiritual warfare rages around us, that God has placed angels to protect us, particularly the children. You read stories all the time about people dying who see the angels escort them up to heaven to be with Jesus Christ, so they escort as well. We read in Revelation how they will nourish the people. They will provide food and support of the Jewish people who are out hiding in the wilderness. So the angels are God's relief system as well. So they, they perform many, many duties, but the primary duty is when they all get together and they worship the Lord with, with uncountable myriads upon myriads of angels praising and worshiping the Lord and playing their instruments. And uh, Pastor Larry, I look so forward to that day when we as humans join them in praising the Lord. Well, you, you do uh, speak about demonic activity. I'm looking at uh, some of the notes you sent. Um, you spoke about your esteemed missions professor brought in yet another guest to our classroom, this time from serving in the Pacific nation of New Guinea. The look on our guest's face still uh, haunts me to this day. What, what about the visible manifestation of, of power from, from another dimension or from the other side? read about how angels, and especially like you reference Ephesians 6, where the, there's power, the angels are working behind the principalities and powers of this world, both the demonic world under Satan and the angelic world under Michael and Jesus Christ. And they are, uh, everything we see that's going on in the world is a battle. Now, sometimes Satan's uh, best strategy is to tell the world he doesn't exist or make him like that TV show Lucifer on Netflix, you know, make him kind of a, a good guy or, or make him silly like he's all red with a curly Q mustache and, and a pitchfork, you know, make him look kind of silly that we wouldn't take him seriously. But the Bible says that, that Satan is not just a generalization of evil. He's a real person, a real being who, who hates us and wants all of humans dead. So there are times where uh, some people, especially in animistic cultures like you just referenced, who see outward manifestations. Uh, like you said, my missions professor back in my days of Bible college brought in a missionary who served in Papua New Guinea, and he worked with the animist tribes. And he, we're talking witch doctors and things like that. And they saw regular instances of demonic activity. For instance, a woman who was literally lifted off her bed and thrown around the room. Other times where they would come in and they'd bring the gospel, and the whole village would, would come out, and you could just feel the evil, the, the control over them. But when the gospel came, and the Lord broke through that barrier, and those people were freed, and they would tell stories of possession and cuttings and child sacrifices and all. And that's a outward manifestation of how Satan rules the world as well. So yes, there's, there, Satan could be hidden, and there's other times where certain cultures, if it works better, he's right out there in the open.
Well, back around 1992, 1993, I was an amillennialist, and I held to replacement theology. Oh, my. <laughs> and, and one of the things that really was a slap in the face, I was a Southern Baptist pastor at that time in East Tennessee, in the beautiful mountains of East Tennessee. Oh, okay. I used to live in Knoxville. Beautiful. Oh, well, I, I was in uh, Hickory Tree just outside of uh, Bristol, Tennessee. So. Okay. Well, beautiful up there. But anyhow, I was reading in, it was the Commission, I believe. It was the uh, Southern Baptist Mission magazine. And I noticed that in the last couple of issues, there were some things that were being reported, not by Pentecostal preachers, but by Southern Baptist missionaries of some really strange behavior. Like I remember one account said that this missionary was in a part of India where, you know, the language is very, very minority tribe and nobody spoke the language. And so the people said there was a woman who was really acting strangely. So this missionary and his wife went to this little village, and they began to pray over her, and he held up his Bible, and suddenly the woman with a very deep, gnarling sound spoke perfect English and cursed him and cursed Jesus Christ. And yeah, things of that nature are happening, and I believe even in America at the present time. It's getting worse, and it's getting far worse, because the more we become humanistic and the more witchcraft and Wiccanism, yoga, all that is Eastern religions are being inundated in society. We're opening ourselves up to Satanism. I used to work with a woman who got saved, but in her younger years, she was a New Ager who used to actually practice transcendental meditation. And she said that she was actually able to leave her body, and when she got back, there was another entity residing in her body. And then she was possessed for a while when she entered her body. This all was outside my experience, you know. Pastor Larry, this blew my mind. But she said after that, that scared her so much that she went running to Jesus and accepted Jesus. So she knew the spirit world firsthand. A lot of us, we're comfortable. We're living in first world of America. Uh, we just don't take the spirit world seriously. But it is out there. It's just underneath the surface. And that's what's amazing about the book of Revelation. It unveils, it pulls back the veil that separates the spirit world from our world so we can see what's going on behind the scenes. Well, Nathan, I I love the way your book is organized and the way it's uh, set out. Uh, I know we've been, been speaking about angels and so forth, but talk to us a little bit about the layout of your book. Why include 12 stories and the 12 full page illustrations of angels? I love what you do. Maybe tell our, our listeners about that. Oh, well, there's different types of learners. So my first book, The Twelve Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets, I wanted to connect the minor prophets to the reader, and I did that with stories, two three-page little introductory stories about what's going on. So I take you through the mighty angels with just each section of the 12 sections opens with a little story of John and his guide, the revealing angel, as they witness all the things that's going uh, events that go on through the book of Revelation. I also have 12 illustrations. I I couldn't draw a stick figure for the life of me, so I hired a, a, a local uh, painter she, uh, named Shalise Stevens, fantastic painter and illustrator, and she illustrated 12 angels directly referenced from the book of Revelation. And so after we get, of course, there's a picture and a little story, then it gets into the meat of Revelation, and I let the angels explain through nonfiction what's going on through the book of Revelation and how each of those 72 angels serve the Lord in the story in some capacity, all with the point of pointing to Jesus Christ. Uh, The angels, I believe, are just window dressing. The true hero of the story of the book of Revelation is Jesus Christ. Everything points to him and his victory. And as Christians, 
we are on that team. We will be riding back with Jesus on our white horses and seeing him single-handedly defeat Satan and the Antichrist. And praise the Lord, I am just looking forward to that day where King Jesus returns. I am, and with all the nonsense that's going on, I know one day we we do win, and I do believe that, as uh, you pointed out, you know, at one time we'd we'd hear about demon possession from other countries, from Africa, South America, and so forth, but Nathan, thank you for these two shows. I know our listeners will want to read your book. Praise the Lord. I hope it blesses them. Matthew, please come to the mic and tell our listeners about our special offer. Thank you, Pastor Larry. Our special offer today is the fantastic new book titled The Mighty Angels of Revelation. You can have a copy for a gift of $25 if you live in the United States and $45 if you live in Canada. To place your order, just call our toll-free number 1-800-652-1144. And of course, you can order this great new book on our website at swrc.com. We also have the popular book by Dr. Bob Glaze titled Angels, A Historical and Prophetic Study. You can have a copy of this book for a gift of $15. Better yet, get both books, The Mighty Angels of Revelation and Angels, A Historical and Prophetic Study for a gift of $25. This is a $40 value for $25. That number again is 1-800-652-1144. And the website is swrc.com. Here again is Pastor Larry. You know, Marvin, there is a natural, inborn, God-given drive for self-preservation. It's natural to blink when someone claps their hands in front of your face. It's natural to try to shield yourself from danger. At times, of course, men and women have exposed themselves to danger for a higher purpose. A mother shields her baby. A soldier risks his life for his buddies. But when suicide becomes a way of life, an approved option for dealing with your problems, you know that the culture is in bad shape. Well, Pastor Larry, we have departed from God's original plan for the human race. That's pretty obvious. This is tragic, though. We have actually become the suicide nation. In fact, in July of 1999, David Satcher, Surgeon General of the United States, warned that suicide had become one of America's most pressing public health concerns. In his 2016 book, Culture of Death, Wesley J. Smith reported that suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. He also reported that there had been more than 41,000 suicides reported in 2013. It was during this time period that there was a growing pro-suicide mentality that was fueled by assisted suicide advocacy. Assisted suicide was becoming the latest fad. At one time not too long ago, the humane and compassionate response was deemed to be suicide prevention. In fact, I remember they had quite a few 1-800-SUICIDE hotlines. However, with the advancing change in thinking, suicide is being promoted as a legitimate option. Yes, Marvin, popular culture is now viewing suicide as just another option among many that should be available to those who are suffering and are not enjoying the quality of life that they feel they should enjoy. And I think this is very sad. But it is predictable. You see, 
When a culture departs from Scripture, the most outrageous anomalies become commonplace. Man was to have dominion over the creation. Genesis 1.26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. That means to subjugate, to rule over. Man was to be an influence for good. We were supposed to function in a position of lordship, not to destroy the creation, but to cultivate and use the good things God has made. We were supposed to push back the darkness, but now the darkness is pushing back on us. People are taking their own lives. Marvin, this is tragic. It is terrible, Pastor Larry, and there's a horrible book out there. It's called Final Exit. It was written by Derek Humphrey. He was a co-founder of the Hemlock Society. Their name has been changed to Compassion and Choices. The title should be changed to Insanity and Self-Murder. It was extremely popular in 1991 when it first came out, and it is still popular with readers all over the world. In his book, Culture of Death, Smith relates that some groups sell plastic suicide bags with Velcro sewn around the opening so that it fits snugly around the neck of the person who wants to end his or her life. Actually, Smith purchased a suicide bag from an assisted suicide organization for $32 plus $10 for easy-to-read, user-friendly instructions, and I'm quoting him. Smith says, quote, The cheery promotional material that attracted me to the macabre product assured in bold letters that it is proven effective and that the customized exit bag is made of clear, strong, industrial plastic. It is advertised as having a snug but comfortable fit. That is just so sad, Pastor Larry. You know, if you're getting ready to kill yourself, having a snug and comfortable fit is the least of your worries. Well, it's probably good marketing procedure, I guess. I mean, you want to sell your product. Assisted suicide is becoming a popular item of discussion. There was a special report in the January 1997 issue of Ladies Home Journal on assisted suicide. It consisted of a roundtable discussion with experts and family members of people who had committed assisted suicide. There were also a couple of movies which presented assisted suicide in a good light. There was the story of Brittany Maynard, who was an advocate of assisted suicide. She had a brain tumor and was an advocate for the right to die. In 2005, the movie Million Dollar Baby hit the screens. It is an American sports drama film directed, co-produced, and scored by Clint Eastwood. It won several awards. The movie is about an underappreciated boxing trainer, Frankie, played by Clint Eastwood. It's about his mistakes and his quest for atonement by helping an underdog amateur female boxer achieve her dream of becoming a professional boxer. Hilary Swank is the boxer. She plays Maggie. However, Maggie falls hard on a stool, breaks her neck, and becomes a ventilator-dependent quadriplegic. As the days pass, Maggie develops bed sores and undergoes amputation of an infected leg. She begs Frankie to help her die, declaring that she got everything she wanted out of life. She has lost the will to live and wants to be relieved of such a terrible existence. I am so glad there is hope in Jesus Christ, Pastor Leary. No one likes to be a quadriplegic, but Johnny Erickson Tata is a quadriplegic who has done more than survived. She has literally thrived, writing 17 books and helping millions find hope, joy, and meaning, even in a life that is hard. Well, friend, do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? You may have lost hope. You may think that life is not worth living. Well, I can tell you that life is worth living. It's a gift from God.
Assisted suicide is not the way to go. Don't leave this world in defeat. God has something far better for you. There are so many stories to that effect. God has a plan and a purpose for you. Believe His Word. Trust Him. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Marvin, I've got a deep, deep theological question to ask you. Now, you've got to have your thinking cap screwed on and just really ponder the question and give me a good answer. Our listeners are listening, so here's the question. What should a pastor do when criminals steal his car? Ooh, that's a hard one. I don't know. Dial 911? It would also be a good idea to pray for the thieves. They are on a dangerous trajectory. They are on a straight line to hell, Pastor Larry. But you know what? I have a related story, too. There was an elderly lady shopping down here at the Walmart, and when she came out to her car, there was four men, and they were taking her car. Obviously, she supports the Second Amendment because she dropped her shopping bags and pulled out a handgun and started screaming at him, I have a gun and I know how to use it. According to witnesses, four men ran off in four different directions. She got in the car, she tried to put her key in over and over, and she realized she was in the wrong car. A few minutes later, the cops pulled up, they told her to get out of the car with her hands up, and one of the men was in the back seat going, that's her, that's her, she carjacked my car. (laughs) The wrong car. Well, at least the people ran, anyhow. But, you know, you got to be careful when you carry your gun, right? Okay, so anyhow, but there's a pastor in Florida. His name is Pastor Rich Wilkerson. He's a pastor of the Voos Church. It's a mega church that's got lots of millennials in it. He's made a unique offer to the criminals who stole his car. He posted a video on Instagram. He said he held no hard feelings against the group who stole the vehicle from his driveway outside his Miami home. Then he wrote this, and I quote him, I want to give you a better strategy toward success. This Sunday, I want you to come to Vu's church. Come up to the front afterwards and say, Hey, I was the one that Rich was challenging. I was part of that incident. We want to give you an opportunity, and the opportunity is this. I'm going to let you be an intern at Vu's church for three months. Now listen, I will not pay you. You did steal my car. But for three months, I'm going to intern you and mentor you And I actually believe if you give us three months of your life, your life will be changed. You'll be on a much better path. I think you can take this really bad thing that happened and turn it into a good thing. Close quotes. Wilkerson also added, I'm not going to press charges. Well, that's a new way of handling crime, criminals, and sinners, Pastor Larry. I hope those thieves take Pastor Wilkerson up on his offer. Well, I'm going to try to follow up and see what happens. I don't know if anybody's going to come forward. Uh, It'll be good to see what happens. Pastor Larry, our special offer today is the fantastic new book titled The Mighty Angels of Revelation. You can have a copy for a gift of $25 if you live in the United States and $45 if you live in Canada. To place your order, just call our toll-free number 1-800-652-1144. And of course, you can order this great new book on our website at swrc.com. We also have the popular book by Dr. Bob Glaze titled Angels, A Historical and Prophetic Study. You can have a copy of this book for a gift of $15. Better yet, get both books, The Mighty Angels of Revelation and 
Angels, a historical and prophetic study for a gift of $25. This is a $40 value for $25. That number again is 1-800-652-1144. And the website is swrc.com. Thank you for tuning in today. Tune in tomorrow on the Watchman on the Wall program from Southwest Radio Church.